0: That you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littner, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. Since recorded history, man has always had a keen interest in wisdom. Actually, it dates all the way back to Adam and Eve when Satan used the promise of wisdom as a means to tempt Eve. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 5, the serpent urged Eve to eat by saying, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. As Eve thought about it, a determining factor in her giving into the temptation was that it was a tree to be desired to make one wise. The interest in wisdom is valid, for the Bible places a great deal of emphasis upon it. Turning to Proverbs chapter 4 and reading verses 5 through 7, we find Solomon writing, Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Wisdom is something that can be obtained, and it is something towards which all men should be striving. In today's world, wisdom and education are sometimes viewed as being synonymous, but that is a false impression. Some of the most educated people in the world are truly its bigots-fools. Webster tells us that wisdom is the ability to judge soundly and deal shrewdly with facts. In other words, wisdom is the good, sound, common sense to use our knowledge and ability in the best way possible. In the New Testament, James wrote in James chapter 3 and verse 13, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Two things are emphasized in that passage. One is that it is wise to be good, and second is that wisdom is always tempered by meekness. Now I've said all of that merely to introduce the subject of our discussion today, which quite obviously is wisdom. We have seen that the desire for it is a valid thing, for God himself places a great deal of emphasis upon it in his words. We have seen that it is not necessarily true that education equals wisdom. And we have seen that those who are truly wise conduct themselves in a proper fashion, tempered by meekness. Who then is it that the Bible says possesses wisdom? Did God give us an indication of the type of individual that he himself, the author of wisdom, views as being wise? Those are the questions we want to look at today. Let's turn to Proverbs 13 and look at verse 15 where Solomon wrote the following. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkens unto counsel is wise. So there is one individual that God describes as wise, the man that listens to counsel. Bear in mind also that that same chapter in Proverbs also says in verse 5, the thoughts of the righteous are right but the counsels of the wicked are deceit. So the individual who listens to right counsel is the one who is wise. You may remember that David said, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Surely we have all observed in our lives that you can't tell a fool anything. And we have all also seen the sad results when the egotistic or the self-centered try to direct their own steps without ever seeking guidance from those wiser than themselves, or in an even worse case scenario, when they go to the ungodly for counsel. Could there be a more classic example of this than the case of Rehoboam, Solomon's son, that we read about in 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 1 through 15? Let's turn there and read that passage. And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel were come to Shechem to make him king. And it came to pass when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who was in Egypt, heard of it, for he was fled from the presence of King Solomon, and Jeroboam dwelt in Egypt, that they sent and called him. And Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spake unto Rehoboam, saying, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke which he put upon us lighter, and we will serve thee. And he said unto him, Depart yet for three days, then come again to me. And the people departed. And King Rehoboam consulted with the old men that stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived, and said, How do you advise that I may enter this people? And they spoke unto him, saying, If thou wilt be a servant unto this people this day, and will serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants ever. But he forsook the counsel of the old men, which they had given him, and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him, and which stood before him. And he said unto them, What counsel give ye that I may answer this people, who have spoken to me, saying, Make the yoke which thy father did put upon us lighter. And the young men that were grown up with him spake unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou speak unto this people that spake unto thee, saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but make thou it lighter unto us. Thus shall ye say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. And now, whereas my father did lay you with the heavy yoke, lo- lo- I will add to your yoke. My father hath chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king had appointed, saying, Come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people roughly, and forsook the old men's counsel that they gave him, and spake to them after the counsel of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, and I will add to your yoke. My father also chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. Wherefore the king hearkened not unto the people, for the cause was from the Lord, that he might perform his saying, which the Lord spake by Ahijah the Shilonite unto Jeroboam the son of Nebat. My friends, the wise man goes through life seeking first the counsel of the word of God, secondly, seeking the counsel of godly men, Think of our our elders in in the Lord's church. Thirdly, keeping an open mind and an objectivity that allows him to ever learn and grow. Conversely, one who is a fool indeed, who feels that he is all-knowing, and who closes his eyes, stops his ears, and shuts his heart to the counsel of God's word and the advice of the godly. Let's turn now to Proverbs chapter 10 verses 19 through 21. In that passage, we find in the multitude of words, there wants not sin, but he that refrains his lips is wise. The tongue of the just is as choice silver. The heart of the wicked is little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for want of wisdom. Solomon also said, even a fool when he holds his peace is counted wise. And he that shuts his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Over in the New Testament, James wrote in James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Take these passages and many others that make essentially the same point and it is easy to see that God counts as wise, the man who guards his tongue. It is so sad that the foolish have so generally abused the blessing of speech. Out of God's creation, we are the only ones with the mental and physical capabilities to speak and communicate clearly and distinctly. You would think that one would use such a blessing for good, to educate, praise, commend, encourage, rebuke and exhort when necessary, not in a nasty or frivolous manner. And a wise man does just that. However, it is obvious that many are not very wise in God's sight, for they use their tongues to spill forth cursing, gossip, tale-bearing, blasphemies, filthy stories, flattering, and deceits. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 3, and verse 10, For he that will love life and see good days let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no gill. Jesus taught us the wisdom of guarding our tongues when he said, For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Probably the clearest teaching concerning the necessity and wisdom of guarding our tongues is found in James chapter 3 verses 1 through 13. James wrote, "My brethren." Be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor desires. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasts great things. Behold, a great a matter, a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members, that it defiles the whole body, and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Let us consider someone else whom the Bible describes as wise. Did you ever hear somebody say, I'll try anything once? You know something? That remark is the height of foolishness. A truly wise man has no desire to try anything that God's word teaches is wrong. In Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 16, Solomon wrote, A wise man fears and departs from evil, but the fool rages and is confident. In point of fact, the Bible stresses that the wise man is the one who fears and departs from evil. The one who gets us as close as he can without falling is a fool. We are told in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 22, abstain from all appearances of evil. Again in James chapter 4 and verse 7, we are told, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Peter in 2 Peter 3 was describing the second coming of the Lord. He was speaking of the unexpected nature of it and of the physical occurrences that will happen on that day. He said in chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Something else that the Bible describes as wise is the one who hold, who is prepared. Now I'm not talking about being prepared for eternity. We just covered that in fearing and departing from evil. No, I'm talking about being prepared for life. In Matthew chapter seven, verses 24 through 27, Jesus said the following, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew And beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does not do them shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. In this passage, Jesus is obviously talking about a great deal more than building literal houses. His main concern was whether or not people would hear and heed his teaching. Jesus knew that storms, floods, and the winds of life would beat upon every single generation of man. He knew that only the wise, the prepared, would be able to survive intact spiritually. Also, he knew that it is not in man that walks to direct his own steps. Therefore, the only way to be prepared is to build on the Lord Jesus. The wise knows that trials, disappointments, tragedies, and despairs will confront them sooner or later. Truly the wise hear and heed the commandments and doctrines of Jesus. Truly those who strive day by day to live at peace with God, their fellow man and themselves, will find the ways of life much simpler to navigate. Yes, a wise man puts his trust in Jesus and prepares for himself for the struggles of life by donning the whole armor of God. We want to look at one last person described as wise by the scriptures and to do that we are going first to a conclusion reached by the wisest man in the Old Testament. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13 let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. The one who is truly wise has a reverential respect for God and does what he says he is the one who obeys Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9 tells us and being made perfect he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him the bottom line in going to heaven which is the only destination the wise aspires to is submission and obedience to the Lord it was Jesus who warned not everyone that saith unto me Lord Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Words to think about, words to meditate upon. By the way, we are going to be making a change in the podcast. In the second week of October, we are going to begin a podcast in which I will be joined by two other individuals, and we will be discussing, for however long it takes, the life of Christ, the harmony of the Gospels. We're very much looking forward to this and are excited about it. And we hope that you will listen and gain a great deal from it. So again, thanks for listening to that you may grow thereby this morning.